Today's podcast is brought to you by Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble is an American multinational consumer goods corporation headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio. Founded by William Procter & James Gamble, specializes in a wide range of personal health and consumer health products, personal care and hygiene products, and several other subsidiaries such as Pringles, Kellogg's, and many others. Procter & Gamble recently reported a yearly revenue of $76.12 billion with a net income of $14.3 billion. Procter & Gamble, a name you can trust. Definitely, Daniel, a name you can trust. And this week's episode is brought to you by American Cinematographer, Shooting for Television, the July 2021 edition. Daniel, you know, you and me have talked about shooting some films we tried shooting a film when we were kids um we tried to shoot it was during uh right after saving private ryan came out do you remember this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You heard yeah about this? it was actually yeah it was a prequel to toy story one i believe mm-hmm. this week's episode is also brought to you by corona hard seltzer spiked sparkling water it's the blackberry lime flavor it's spiked sparkling water with natural flavors 4.5 alcohol percentage per volume and gluten-free. Daniel, what are you drinking? Today's podcast is brought to you by the limited edition Hunter Safety Orange and Camo Bush Light. Bush beer brewed in the United States of America uh, at the Anheuser-Busch factory in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, Daniel, I have a multicolored rice crispy treat in my hand i'm showing it to you the camera right now we're getting a really good high res on it i think oh, you can yeah. see yeah now you have a rice crispy over there with you currently uh but that one is going to be filled with something extra mine is only filled with m&ms is that correct uh i can neither confirm nor deny that those are m&ms in your rice crispy treat this doesn't have any type of earthly texture, but reading Rice Krispie Treats, Daniel's got one laced with weed, and we got some hard seltzers and some bush lights camoed out. We're ready to go. Daniel, it's week 11. Quinn, week 11 of the fantasy season. I'm joined with you live in studio, and I'm happy about it because there's nobody I'd rather talk about, the Ray Lewis League and the Vampire League, uh, than somebody that I was fortunate enough to take down in one league uh, but I saw you rise from the depths of last place in the other league and move to a tie for last place. Yeah, gotta and, love beating Chase. You know, it's um, you might not be going to a bowl game, but winning a rivalry game is always nice. And uh, best friend matchups are always fun. You want to win those. And it was one of those moments where if the vampire was successful against me, the same players I was playing in the Ray Lewis League were going to take down Chase. So one of those byproduct games, you know. Yeah, Quinn, I think anybody across either of the two leagues would be happy to see you take down Chase in a weekly matchup. Uh, And so uh, with no further ado, we're going to get down into it. Jesus Christ, man. I don't know what's happening. Starting a little slow today. Uh, We just got to get a couple five-yard passes while we go to commercial. That's That's good. Let's get you going. Let's get you in the rhythm. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's all we gotta do, man. 
Yeah, Quinn, you know, I don't think there's anybody across the two leagues that wouldn't have been pumped to see down Chase in a weekly matchup. Uh, We got a lot to talk about, so we're going to get right to it on this episode of the Vampire Journals Podcast. Live from the Live Loud studios in Fayetteville, Arkansas, it's the Vampire Journals Podcast, starring... Turd Ferguson and Smokin' Jay Cutler. Featuring Mr. Solo Dolo and Deacon Dorf. Tonight's musical guest, the Bonafex Trees. And your host, Stan Pyre, the Vampire. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. All right, Quinn. So much like Wes in a water-based challenge, we're going to dive right into it head first. And I know you were really excited to talk about the Ray Lewis League. Is that right? Yes. We're going to lead off the podcast this week with the Ray Lewis League. We're going to be talking a little bit as we get closer and closer to the playoffs, some of the best teams in the league and how our keepers have done so far this year. Now, uh, I'm going to kind of throw this on you. You mentioned it, but uh, as we're taking a look at the keepers, taking a look at the league standings, uh, you kind of hinted at taking a drinking game. Uh, you have any further elaboration? I know we've both got a couple of adult beverages here. Do you have anything in mind? Yeah. Um, well, I definitely, to be honest, I definitely have an idea for your uh, for your section later that you're going to be running. Uh, okay. We're going to do a little bit of that. But for I'll just me, run it. I'll just run at my own pace during this. Yeah, segment. yeah. We'll get started. We've got a couple bullets in the chamber today, uh, but we're gonna have some fun here. Uh, starting off, let's take a look at the league standings in the Ray Lewis League. Cool. You want to start at the top or the bottom? Um. Well, let's get. <laughs> let's let's start from the top. I think the top is the best thing to talk about. Uh, Daniel, big red bells. Eight and two, standing in first place, coming off another win last week, correct? That's it. Definitely took down uh, me and Derek and the Anal Fisters. We're tied atop the league standings. It came down to a Monday night, and uh, he wasn't able to get enough out of Matthew Stafford to come out victorious. Let me uh, come away from that victory uh, with sole possession of first place. And according to ESPN, a 100% chance of making the playoffs this year. Yeah, but a veritable playoff lock, trying to lock in possibly a buy, correct? That's the way our playoffs work. That's it. But, uh, you know, I got the buy last year, and it did me uh, no service in getting a championship. So, uh, you know, from this point forward, we're just going to look for team health, uh, work on consistency, holding the ball, and we're going to take it one week at a time. Well, speaking of history, Daniel, 2019, you go 11 and 2. 2020, you go 12 and 1. 2021, you're 8 and 2. You're on pace to put in your worst season in three years. <laughs> Should yeah. we be looking yeah. at you know maybe some scenery changes for some players yeah. or GMs? Or do you mm-hmm. think you should get some assistance there? 
Heavy doth lie the head which weareth the chrome. You know, they say that. Um, they but- do, they do. But really, in all seriousness, man, you, you've put in three of the best seasons. You don't have a, a championship to show for it, but you're one of the favorites to win the championship this year. Um, in, in line of like our power rankings, our all-time power rankings, um, with the update, Daniel, I've got you ranked third. Uh, with three top four finishes and a 55% winning percentage that you're improving on this year. Uh, what can you say about yourself? Where do you think yourself? Do you think you're around that spot still in the power rankings? If we were thinking all time, uh, I think it's, it's a pretty fair reflection of recent performance and uh, yeah, it's, it's probably hard to justify moving any further up those rankings until I win uh, league championship. Um, so if I were to kind of talk about my team and how it's different from the past couple successful years, uh, I think that this team is more well-rounded and it's a little bit deeper. Uh, yeah, I've been riding these two keepers, Cook and Elliot, for a couple of years now, uh, and they've been uh, really bell cows for me. But you know, this season, Cook is the 19th ranked running back in our league, Zeke at sixth. Um, so none of them excuse me, neither of them are quite as standout as they were before. DeAndre Hopkins, who I've just landed through the draft a couple of times in that span, uh, number 23 wide receivers, he struggles with hamstring injuries. Yep. Uh, so the big names haven't necessarily uh, been carrying the bulk of the load, uh, but guys like Cooper Cup that I managed to get in the draft, number one Fifth wide round. receiver, Fifth obviously. Round. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dak Prescott missed a game and a little bit of time with a calf injury, but number eight quarterback, he's got that Dallas offense moving on all cylinders. Uh, was able to work out a trade to get TJ Hawkinson, uh, James Connor, the sudden touchdown Maven, um, and Cordero Patterson. Uh, who missed this uh, past Thursday game with an injury, but shouldn't be a long-term issue. So, uh, you know, I was just, yeah, hey, it's luck. It's uh, avoiding injuries and then uh, setting the right lineup and just things have really clicked this year. And so I think that this depth, and also I, I'm super glad that I don't have a team that's like undefeated or only one loss, one of those teams that might rest their stars at the end of the season. I feel like pretty much all my players are uh, – on teams at this point that are still uh, competing for a lot of different things. So I think that they're going to be continuing to thrive come playoff time. Yeah. You brought up your keepers, Dalvin cook and Ezekiel Elliott, but Daniel, something interesting. If we go through your, and we count keepers as rounds in this conversation. So your first keeper and your second keeper were the first two rounds of the draft. Mm -hmm. If we go through the first four, five, six, seven, uh, maybe even call it eight rounds of your draft everybody has missed time except for one player and that's cooper cup so you've had you know a lot of players i think that are great performers but obviously you know they haven't put in um every game this season like other people's players have but man you're doing great it takes me over to tristan who's sitting right behind you at seven and three and Derek babby sitting at seven three but before we go i want to give a toast to you for your yep. last three seasons Raise my uh, glass to you and cheers. Cheers. That's good. Um, but going over, uh, I want to talk about our marquee matchup of the week here in the Ray Lewis League. It's seven and three Johnsonville champs versus the seven and three anal fisters and just keepers versus keepers. I thought this is one of the most interesting matchups. You had the anal fisters taking on 
maybe one of the strongest uh, 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 keeper combinations of Christian McCaffrey and Joe Mixon going into this year. Then picking up Keenan Allen's, uh, some some Kareem Hunts before injury and uh, Matthew Stafford late Alexander Madison to 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 couple behind uh, his running back court. He's put together a great season with Derek. And we look over at Tristan. Tristan did probably the most interesting thing of all of us this year with his keepers. He only kept one keeper, Daniel. He kept Devontae Adams. And then in the first round, picked up Najee Harris, which has really turned out well for him. So going up this week in our marquee matchup, we've got a close uh, projection within five points of each other. And Anal Fisters is, I believe, slightly edged here. But looking at it, we've got two great teams that had some great drafts some really good keepers, and they're at the top of the league. Yeah, this one's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, two teams that uh, throughout their time in the league have put up really strong seasons. Uh, Tristan dipped for a little bit when he first came in, but he's really come on strong in the last few years, defending champ for a reason. And uh, it was a bold move. You know, uh, Najee Harris certainly had high expectations for him from a fantasy and real-world football standpoint coming into the season uh but he has certainly delivered and he's gotten better as the season has gone on he's currently the number three running back in our league Devonte adams's other keeper number five wide receiver in the league uh and then uh, he's got the pair of minnesota wide receivers uh leaves him in really good shape uh i would personally i would have a little bit of questions about his tight end position and his depth on the bench uh, but when your starters show up, it doesn't matter. Uh, across the board, I'm sure Derek's happy to see McCaffrey healthy. Uh, he's always kind of been, in my eyes, a uh, Chargers drafter, so it's no surprise to me for him to have uh, guys like Keenan Allen on his team. And, um, yeah, I, I think that he's got a little bit more depth than what Tristan does, but he's failed to stay healthy compared to Tristan's team. Uh, so this is really interesting. Uh, and obviously whoever comes out with this is in pole position for the number two spot. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Ooh. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I was <laughs> ready to go. Fall yeah. <laughs> yeah, Daniel, definitely agree. Marquee matchup of the week. Two huge uh, teams. You know, if we look at them historically, obviously Tristan coming off last year, he's the champion. But Derek has put on some of the best consistent performances through the teens of our 10 years being here. You know, he had over six seasons with at least, or sorry, seven seasons with at least eight wins uh, in 13 game seasons and even shorter ones. So, you know, we're really uh, looking at him. He was the 2019 champion. Tristan was the 2021, uh, 2020 champion. And, you know, this is a a battle of, of wits and ends and we'll see how it goes uh looking at the all-time rankings tristan's sitting at sixth with last year's championship because he is the highest rank with the lowest winning percentage 43 percent. but this year he's improving that and Derek babb we had talked about this year coming in it was his first time competing as a 500 ball club at 61 and 61 all time one championship four top four finishes and so he's definitely improving his stock and these are some of the best teams you know, we've talked about so far in the league. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back. And I want to talk about some other matchups this week, like Andy versus Sam and myself versus Sandusky Shower, right when we come back. This summer, in their strongest installment yet, lies a romance between man and woman. 
pursued, chased, forced to own up to their feelings. These two must join together forever and ever. Lifetime presents Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. And we're back. Daniel, um, Siren House versus Team Kissing Cousins. This is one of the more interesting battles because it's going to really shake up our four and five uh, standings that we have. And it's going to see who this week uh, can separate themselves. Siren House sits at five and five. Team Kissing Cousins at four and six. And uh, if Siren House comes out with a win, he's going to end up putting himself in the league with Chase and Z-Hud coming into next week, whereas it could end the season and the probabilities for Sam to make the playoffs are pretty slim to none. So Sam's playing spoiler here. Daniel, do you think Sam can come out and show up uh, an ever-improving Andy uh, this week? Well, really big, uh, really big, really good start to the week for Sam. It looks like he has set a lineup. Uh, all the players in his lineup appear to be healthy and mm. have projected scores. So really good turnaround from last week's performance. Man. Currently projected 112.5 to Andy's 115.3. So it looks like it's anybody's game. He got 6.5 out of Damian Harris on Thursday night. Uh, but we're hoping a healthy Kyler Murray, emerging Tyree Kill, can uh, kind of take care of business uh, across the board. Uh, Andy's really turned it on after a poor start. Uh, he's got guys like Jonathan Taylor and Stefan Diggs playing their best football at the best time. Uh, so uh, as much as I love both these guys, uh, Sam was my first playoff lock of the year. And so I got to stick with him. If he's able to do this, there's three teams at four and six, two at five and five. Sam can make a little push here at the end. Uh, he can make me a man of my word. So uh, my pick in this matchup is Team Kiss and Cousins. I like it. You know, I'm going to have to go on the opposite this one and say Andy's roaring up because he's got one of the best running backs in the league. One of his keepers from last year, Jonathan Taylor. Rookie from last year, uh, I believe Andy caught him in the draft and uh, found his way onto his team. And then he kept him. And this year he's just blown up for him. With Stefan Diggs, those two keepers have really solidified Andy's playoff uh, hopes, I think. Um, losing Robert Woods, who was his first actual pick out of the gate this year, has got to be tough. Allen Robinson not performing well has got to be tough. Real tough. But he's gotten, you know, he lost Juju Smith-Schuster, also an eighth-round pick for him. But he's come together with the number one quarterback in the league, Tom Brady, Mark Andrews, Javante Williams. And I'm even going to begrudgingly say it's some uh, good efforts out of Kenyon Drake. So <laughs> I've got Andy winning this one mainly because of Jonathan Taylor. I think he's someone to watch. You know, the Kyler Murray-Tyreek Hill combination, we were very scared of early in the season and preseason, thinking very highly of this keeper combination for Sam. But it was last week, that was a watershed moment. You know, Sam was sitting four and five, had a chance to go five and five, make himself uh, into a, a playoff contender and he just didn't roster a lineup and put together I think you know that's the research we should have done today Daniel is trying to find out what the lowest score ever was in this mm, league because yeah. you know Sam may have put it there uh, and, and I'd like to see how many times Sam's gotten that low score from forgetting to put up a lineup So sure you know Sam I believe he said he was camping uh, I'm going to have to take him at his word on that I get uh, it but it, it was a tough beat uh, but if I were to make a quick, you know, if we're 
making an observation on these two teams and their keepers specifically. Uh, you know, Sam kept wide receiver and a quarterback. And, um, you know, you and I have talked about it a lot. And you've emphasized this is kind of what you're looking for in your team uh, is a base of two running backs as your keepers. And as much as Sam has sexy names at those two spots and two dudes that are uh, totally capable of putting up big numbers, uh, you know, it, it, it's tough to keep a quarterback when, you know, there's so many out there and, and the way that this league is non-standard in its scoring, you can see guys like I had Teddy Bridgewater filling in for Dak Prescott. You can see some guys on a week-to-week basis that can kind of pop and it's not to say that Sam shouldn't have kept Kyler, but you know, if we think about the opportunity cost of keeping a wide receiver and a quarterback compared to like Tristan mentioned earlier, who dropped a player to get an incoming running back or Andy who's able to secure a really young running back in Jonathan Taylor that looks like he's going to be on Andy's team, you know, until he blows out both knees or until this league dissolves. Uh, So, uh, you know, Andy's in a great position with a running back and wide receiver where he has the flexibility uh, to make a move if somebody is out there that's more attractive than Stefan Diggs going into next season. Let's move over to maybe the most puzzling keeper combination of the year. So cheers to you guys. Have a great week. Cheers to the River Valley boys. Mm -hmm. Siren House versus Team Kissing Cousins. Yeah, yeah versus Squints from last week, if you remember. Um, But the most peculiar one, I got to say, has got to be Z-Hud. Z-Hud is fighting for his life this year, sitting in the rankings in fifth place at six and four. He's got a 600 winning percentage. He's two games back. He's got a he's he's got a 51% chance of making the playoffs. He's at the, coming in with the skin of his teeth. And he's had really interesting keepers this year, Patrick Mahomes and Alvin Kamara. So p- piggybacking off the last conversation about, you know, the lack of, you know, potentially using a quarterback as a keeper. We got Pat Mahomes which we thought was a sure thing and he hasn't performed to that level of a keeper number one keeper level uh, in a deep league like this as we thought he would have or should have. And also Alvin Kamara, same storyline. Z-Hud, 6-4. This week, he's got a real big matchup to keep himself above water against the 5-5 five and five Jay Moneybags. So uh, just speaking on Zach's side, uh, just on his side first, Daniel, how do we think about Patrick Mahomes, Alvin Kamara as his keepers? Well, I love Kamara coming into this year, even with uncertainty at the quarterback position. Uh, so I have no fault in uh, him doing that. And honestly, you know, Patrick Mahomes and maybe Lamar Jackson are really the two quarterbacks that have kind of proved that rule wrong about keeping a quarterback in this league. Because, again, the way the scoring works with kind of uh, extra points for 400-yard games or, or four touchdown games, uh, the non-standard aspect rec- uh, really kind of recognizes the uh, super exceptional quarterbacks, which is really going to be Mahomes with his arm or Lamar Jackson running the ball because you get points for carries. Uh, It's a small number, but you still get it. Um, And so, you know, six points for a passing touchdown. So when Mahomes can do things like he did last week, getting five touchdowns, you know, five times two is 10. That's an extra 10 points for throwing the same touchdowns that you throw in a PPR so it, I, I still, you know, as much as I just harped on keeping quarterbacks being a bad strategy, I think specifically for Zach, I, I probably would have done the same thing. I can't, I'm not immediately looking at his roster from last year. 
but if you're keeping a top five quarterback and what you presume to be the number one quarterback every year, it's not a bad strategy. Definitely not a bad strategy. Obviously, he's, he's you know, finds himself at six and four, but I think it's because he's lost some big people. He lost Gus Edwards, who was his fourth round pick. You know, Kyle Pitts yeah, hasn't hurts. shown up as much. You know, Jamal Williams has been out. And also interesting, I wanted to bring up Jacoby Myers. Uh, as I don't know if this is a teaching point or anything, but the storyline going into the season and throughout was that he hadn't caught a touchdown pass. And uh, I think that's kind of interesting. You know, he took him in the middle of his draft, but I'm not sure if he's been able to utilize him much in a fantasy effort and because of his lack of interesting lack of scoring in that storyline for Jacoby. So, you know, Zihud, in terms of, his roster, I just think, hasn't turned out the way he envisioned it, obviously. Um, but he's got a chance to make the playoffs. He's got a chance to win the championship. And, uh, you know, on like a real uh, note, Steven, um, you know, has been really up on Z-Hud's team as well in our conversation. So there's a lot of potential uh, for him to, to win. Do you think that you might see him say in a round, if you get through the bye, do you think Z HUD has what it takes to get to the playoffs and win a playoff game? It's definitely possible. But I think one thing to consider, uh, as to the time that we're recording, this is that, uh, HUD did have two Atlanta Falcons go on Thursday night. Kyle Pitts got him 3.5 points and his kicker, young Hoon Koo, got him negative one points. Uh, so he came away with 2.5 points to show for two players going. So he's currently looking at a bad projection against our guy, Jay Money. Shout out to the Money, um, who's sitting at five and five himself and now is looking at ESPN projected 105 points to Zach's 89.9. So, uh, you know, HUD's definitely got a talented team. Uh, but he really needs a win this week or he's going to kind of sink back into that group in the middle instead of making a push to be the solid number three seed. I hear you. Cheers to uh, Z-Hud for finishing your uh, radiation treatments, right? No doubt. Uh, Let's see. Zach and I, uh, I think uh, we met, I guess, right before the paintball facility, maybe – slightly before that but the first time we hung out was playing uh paintball and then uh, we drank beers waiting in line outside of a uh, barbecue restaurant austin Texas. so uh, yeah. yeah from that beer to this beer uh cheers to hud the stud yep cheers to you z Ayo. he's like one of those competitors that you don't like introducing into the friend group because you're like fuck he's playing he knows how to play fantasy <laughs> really good. well he knows he's what like, he's doing yeah yeah Damn, not gonna That's get Kurt. Anything. Kurt has developed a really quick rivalry uh, with Zach in the <laughs> fantasy basketball league. I'm not gonna bring in too many leagues. You know, we don't need to talk about that league too much. But right. uh, you know, Kurt definitely, and it's probably just because it's the only person Kurt hasn't met in the league. But he's always like, you know, there are some games you circle on the calendar. Kurt circles those matchups on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Kurt likes to get up for a lot of events. I feel like he puts a mirror in front of his fantasy <laughs> roster, you know, is what do you want to do? But so enough about Zia, Jay Moneybags. Let's, money. Let's, oh man. We don't spend enough time on money's team. Travis Kelsey, CD lamb keepers. I love it. Josh Jacobs could have, oh. we just want better out of him as a third round pick and miles Sanders going out with his injury. Chase Claypool being on the bench a lot with injuries. Jerry Judy yeah. was injured. Devonta, Devonta Smith, Smith is hot the and first. cold. 
Yeah, hot and cold and a rookie, right? So, or you know, I'd say really uh, rookie. Yeah. Rookie, yeah. Really, uh, the biggest kind of uh, draft day win for him's got to be Melvin Gordon, right? Somebody who's uh, managed to take more carries than people expected away from rookie Javante Williams, mm. uh, number fourteen running back in this league, hundred and sixth pick of our league. You know, talk about a deep league. You've got a guy that's like actually scoring touchdowns. Uh, not not necessarily every week, but you know, bi-weekly or you know, whatever, by every couple weeks, and uh, bi-monthly, I guess that would be the word. Um, so he's something to count on. But Jay and Jay's sitting at five and five. He's worked himself into a little chance to to catch up, and he actually has a higher uh, percentage to make the playoffs than Z Hud. So we'll have to see how this game goes out. Um, I'm gonna put my money on Z Hud. I'm, I think he's going to get a blow-up performance, hopefully from uh, Patrick Mahomes or or something like that this week to see. But he's got uh, Daryl Henderson Jr. on the bench with a bye, so he's got to shake it up. Remind me one more man? time uh, who who were Money's keepers. Money's keepers were Travis Kelsey and Ceedee Lamb. Yeah, and obviously you that's know, a swagger pick. Again, that goes. That goes back to against, money back. It goes against the grain of uh, everything I would think to do in fantasy. Again, I don't remember who his running backs were. And if if you don't have running backs worth keeping, then yeah, don't do it just out of principle. But um, right. man. I think that's probably what his situation was. Um, uh, you know, I wish I had the – we made a chart when we did that first podcast. We did buy or selling on their keepers going into the draft. And uh, – I would love to see what that was. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that everybody made smart decisions on who to keep. Um, you know, can't mention enough, you know, the Tristan move late to only take one keeper was super crazy. Um, and the fact that he pulled out Najee Harris as his pick, I think, is what makes it the biggest, you know, baller move. But the swagger move of the year was definitely taking Travis Kelsey with the idea that I think everybody was talking highly about tight ends and their new what their new role in fantasy sports may be this year. And then CeeDee Lamb was the talk of the town and, uh, you know, sort of moving up the hard knocks uh, moments. So he, he did really good there. And looking at Jay's history, you know, I think he's got a chance to be in the playoffs. Um, his highest finish is fifth place, you know, um, and you know, people have, have done well and he's gone all the way and won in the playoffs in the consolation bracket. And he's almost won the consolation title, but you know, he's our guy that we talked about how he's been the odd man out at six and seven several times. And if we're looking at five and five, you know, we got four more games left. He could end up in that six and seven, seven and seven now with 14 games in that same role looking to make the playoffs. So this is an important game for him. Huge. Huge. Uh, <clears throat> and you asked me who I got. Uh, I think that knowing what I know about the Thursday night game, I got to pick money on this one. Yep. Currently, he's got Miles Sanders uh, in the starting role, who's currently on IR. But... Um, but he, he may have, return on Sunday against New Orleans, so we'll he see. He does that. also have Boston Scott, so I think that's kind of a uh, a backfill if Sanders is unable to go. Another Eagles running back option. Exactly. Um, well, if we can, if you don't mind, let's go on. I think we've only got a couple more teams to talk about. We've got uh, 
this train's bound for glory. My team versus Sandusky Shower. It's the two two and eight teams in the league uh, battling for last place. Uh, Sandusky Shower took Aaron Jones, who's currently injured, and Darren Waller, who I'm going to say is underwhelmed compared mm-hmm. to what he could have possibly done this year. And then my Austin Eckler-Clyde Edwards-Hilaire combo of keepers uh, has not worked out as much uh, because of the injury to Clyde in a sophomore slump before that. So um, you want to talk about these teams real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so take a look at uh, Sandusky Shower's squad. Aaron Jones, I think, is a, you know, that was a really good, safe, smart keeper. Uh, somebody who's scored a ton of touchdowns over the last several seasons. Uh, good involvement in the passing game. Packers saw Jamal Williams leave, so you would have assumed there'd be a, an increase in target share, even with A.J. Dillon looking to kind of fill the Jamal Williams role. Uh, tight end, uh, man, again, I'd have to see his team last year. But I think it's a little risky. As great as Waller had been last year and then um, as good as he was the year before that, I still think there's kind of a delineation between Travis Kelsey and everybody else at the tight end position. So mm. for me, I don't know that I would have kept a tight end if his name didn't end in Kelsey. Um, so, you know, that it, what it does allow is flexibility to drop him if he finds a running back that he likes, either a rookie or uh, somebody else that's available on draft day next year. Um, so, you know, uh, really like one keeper. And like you said, Waller's just kind of underwhelmed so far this season. And, you know, he really lost he, – he took some risks. You know, he took Raheem Mostert as his second starting running back, and obviously he got that hurt. tough. Coupled it with Trey Sermon, thinking that he would respond. And yeah, and so he just really missed out on the running backs this year. And I feel like that's probably been his weakest spot. He ended up with probably starting people like J.D. McKissick at times. And uh, I'm actually going to, sorry to sound like a fucking weatherman right now, but I'm going to click over to his team currently and get a look on the Doppler and see who he's starting this week. Yeah, he's starting Tyson Williams, Rondell Moore, Aaron Jones, who's out, so he'll be starting someone else, most likely McKissick, like I mentioned, or he's picked up Latavius Murray at this point on the waiver Ooh, wire. So that man, was he needs that was to a take good. a look. He needs to look at his roster. Uh, Kyle, if you're listening, look at your roster. You have David Montgomery on IR. He's projected 14.7 points. Ooh, yeah, maybe, maybe are we running into a cold plate here? Did, did possibly. Maybe Kyle. Maybe he's camping. Maybe Sam recommended the campground he went to last week to Kyle, and Kyle was like, "Oh yeah, I'll check it out." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now it's totally understandable. I mean, you know, we can't. Kyle and I can't make the playoffs at this point. So, and it's the holiday. It's coming up on the holiday season. I get it. But there's a there's a win there for him. Kyle uh, historically is looking at um, a winning percentage. Of fifty uh, percent, he's entered the season at fifty percent. He's going to leave the season under fifty percent. Um, but this year, you know, he's got a championship under his belt. He's got three top four finishes. Um, Kyle's Kyle's here to play, uh, kind of the same way. He's the he was the twenty twelve champion. He won the first year out of the out of the Ray Lewis League, and uh, his most recent top four finish was in twenty fifteen. Um, so, you know, Kyle's trying to rev up his stuff and uh, get back 
some greatness, just like me, Daniel, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're just and trying so, to win yeah. Talking about your team, you know, Austin Eckler is a keeper that nobody should have batted an eye at. Uh, somebody who, uh, his pass catching ability is a uh, miss tackle ability. Uh, make him really exciting to have in the uh, fantasy game. Charge has been a bit of an enigma, though. Um, they don't seem to give him a ton of touches. Uh, yeah, not even enough, like yeah. not even like Derrick Henry level. But compared to other number ones, I'd be curious to compare his touches to like Jonathan Taylor's. Um, and then you know, just the uh, Chargers' offense in general has kind of hit a wall after coming out uh, uh, gangbusters the first few weeks. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire probably you know uh, that probably was a tough spot for you uh, just in terms of somebody you're probably kind of obligated to keep because he was tethered to the Kansas City offense uh, and he was the nominal number one running back in that system and I think a lot of us still remember the shine of that LSU season with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase and company uh, where he was catching passes, he was making tackler miss uh, getting tough yards through contact and you know his size his, uh, was not as much of an issue in college as it seems to kind of be in the pros and he just kind of uh, his not had a ton of explosiveness and then he kind of had fumble issues early in the season so you know I think you're in a tough spot because again somebody that you would have probably hated if you had blown up on somebody else's team you probably would have hated that more than what's happening this year where he's, he's been a non-factor. True. And, you know, I'm, I'm in that realm of two running backs you mentioned, and I had some potential, I think to keep a, a highfalutin wide receiver, maybe it was someone, you know, up there in the ranks. Um, but I don't even remember in this sense, you know, uh, but we went with Clyde because I thought he was good. And if you look back two years ago, my keeper was Austin Eckler and uh, Chris Carson. And so, you know, I was coming in with Chris Carson, traded him to Tristan. Tristan wins a championship last year and Chris wins a ring. But in that sense, you know, even if I had not done that trade last year and that sliding door scenario, I'm still dealing with a neck injury in 2021 anyway. So, you know, I just think that both of those are just not the answer at running back. And you just got to hope to make good decisions and find a way uh, to get past it. Another thing is I got, you know, Calvin Ridley. I have no problem with his like mental health leaving the game, but it just ends up being, he was my third pick in the draft and, you know, Mm -hmm. I've not had him for most of the season. And so in terms of keeping, you know, now you start to think like, if I wasn't going to keep a running back, do I keep Eckler and Ridley and just chalk up this season to be in whatever and like take the talent potential that Ridley has and just, go on from there or in this case i've got debo samuel who blew up and has taken a you know taken apart uh something he's number three wide receiver in the league so there's some keepers at wide receiver but i don't have my my second running back which is what i think is what some of these championship teams in our ray lewis league have been built off of um in some senses so yeah now quinn let me ask you i'm taking a look at your roster from last season uh some notable wide receivers keenan allen Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, mm. and then uh, Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. Um, oh, right. Did you have any consideration in keeping either, you know, probably either Allen, Deontay Johnson, or Lamar Jackson? Uh, were you close to making that selection uh, in lieu of Edwards Alaire? 
Right. Yes. I think it would have been like, how important is it to keep Lamar Jackson? And then I think it was a question of like, is Keenan Allen the guy? And then you're, you're sort of risking it on Claypool or Deontay Johnson. So I wasn't going to do that. Um, but those guys were at the end of last year and tandem, they were scoring gobs of points. Um, and I wonder if that's potential of happening again by the end of the season. Um, but no, I, I think, I honestly think I made the right decision. And I almost think that even in this conversation, it's like if I had to play it through through the end of the year, if I don't find a, a potential trade to trade for a keeper, you know, I think I might still keep Clyde Edwards Hilaire with the idea of the potential of any value at running back is maybe stronger in a keeper conversation than any other position, unless the value is just so overwhelming, like a Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes to overlook it. or Josh Allen, like Chase's team. Chase kept Josh mm-hmm. Allen, you know, so, um, you know, I guess cheers to our league. Cheers to rebuilding. Cheers, cheers. to uh, old champions trying to stay relevant, I guess, in this sense. And uh, cheers to, you know, me being uh, in the in the top half of the power rankings, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, Quinn, speaking of cheers, I've got to step away to grab another beer. If you want to give us a 10-second uh, yeah, yeah. beer break of the week. Um, one of our favorite competitors, uh, Purple Rain, coming up this week. He's got a big, uh, big matchup uh, on the scoreboard against... Uh, Chase Vickery of Atlantic City Knockouts, six and four versus four and six. This is the last gas for Purple Rain uh, to make the playoffs, and it's a must-win situation. And he's down on the projections by a strong 25, 26, 27 points, uh, or 23. Sorry, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Let's talk keepers, though, for both these guys. You know, the story of. Purple Rain is his perfect season, his winning attitude. And what solidified that was a trade between Daniel and Purple Rain, which set Daniel on his own winning streak through the uh, the 2019 and 2020 seasons to improve his teams. But in 2018, we saw uh, our our champion, Stephen Fox, uh, take, the, take it with a perfect season uh, in uh, 13-0. But then responded with a six and seven season and uh, an eight and five season last year in 2020. Uh, so I'm looking at his keepers. He's got Antonio Gibson, who he kept through last year in DK Metcalf. And when you look at the people that he dealt away for his to solidify his championship in 2018, you can see that that was a win now strategy. And he's left with people that weren't on his team um, at the time, uh, like Antonio Gibson to keep. So. You know, he's in a little bit of a rebuilding structure, and we'll see how he's doing. He's got a great team, and it leads, we were were talking about Chase's Josh Allen and Nick Chubb keepers. And, and, you know, those are just two solid picks. A great example of a quarterback to keep, just like Patrick Mahomes and Nick Chubb himself, uh, is one of the best running backs in the league. So Chase has had a very strong team to back himself up to, and that's led to his 6-4 and record. You know, looking at the idea of making the playoffs – Chase is sitting in fourth place with guarantee with a, a, a pretty much a guarantee to make the playoffs at this point. While uh, you know Stephen really needs some things to fall his way uh, to finish off potentially eight and six if he can win out. Yeah, man, Chase. You know, Chase. Looking at Chase's roster, his talent really belies his record. He's only at six and four, but I look at his team and he's got like two and a half keeper teams. Um, he said he kept Allen and Chubb, 
but his two running backs are Chubb and Swift, uh, which I think would be an awesome keeper pair. Uh, he's also got Jamar Chase, Chris Godwin, George Kittle, and Green Bay running back A.J. Dillon uh, to go along with the aforementioned Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen. Um, Brandon Ayuk, even honestly, on the bench. Um, like, not to, you know, you guys know me, I'm not going to blow up Chase to be bigger than he is, but that's a lot of talent. And, um, you know, it, I haven't really been actively thinking about it with the other teams but thinking about going into next season chase almost has like the toughest decisions to make for who his keepers are going to be and you know his record probably goes he started to falter in week six um uh you know he lost to sam and come on uh, don't say it don't say it like that (laughs) he lost to sam in week six yeah he lost to sam he lost to you sam's not two and eight Okay. I know he's not. He's not. He's not. Um, and, you know, Sam's got it on me. He's got my number, too. He's beat me in at least one game in, I think, three of the last four seasons. Uh, so I don't have a great record currently against Sam as well. But, um, you know, I have Chase's number through and through, though. I beat him last week and uh, also took him down twice this year in the Vampire League. So, you know, really, it, you know, if you take those losses out of both records, Chase is perfect in one league, and you know he's he's sitting at uh, five and five in another league. So, and he'd be uh, even even higher, or excuse me, he'd be seven and three. He'd be tied for second. So, you know, I'm the only thing that's that's getting in his way. Yeah, and looking across the board at Steven's team, like you said, he definitely made a conscious decision. You go for a win now, and he did it, and it paid off. Um, and I feel like Steven ever since has kind of been, uh, you know, he's a he's gold miner that went out to California in 1850. Um, and, you know, just some of his shots, some of his dart throws didn't hit. Antonio Gibson hasn't been uh, a top 10 back like some thought he would be. Uh, James Robinson's battled uh, injuries and touches. Uh, to not be quite as effective as uh, last year. DK Metcalf had to play with Geno Smith for a period of time. Um, Russell Wilson was injured. Uh, Mike Williams is tailored off. So, you know, he he's certainly done a lot of the right things in terms of drafting. He just hasn't found the next cycle of studs after he leaned on people uh, like Todd Gurley for a long time. Um, now, I do like some of his players in the non-traditional keeper positions. Uh, Joe Burrow, quarterback, and uh, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver out of Miami, uh, is somebody I've been really impressed with so far this season. And so um, I think he'll have some interesting decisions to make on uh, going into keeper season next year. Yeah, and, and um, in terms of who got the queen of spades, too, you know, he took Michael Thomas this year in the draft. So, you know, that's a draft mm-hmm. spot that you just miss out on yeah. completely. So uh, he played a man down the whole year in that way. Um, but uh, two good teams. Who do you have winning this week? Do you think uh, Steven resurrects any chances of getting into the playoffs in 2021? Or does uh, Chase uh, push for uh, possibly even making a chance of getting a bye in the playoffs? Well, I think that uh, all of Steven's good juju resides in the Vampire League. So I think that uh, he is unfortunately going to fall to Chase this week. 
Chase has a really great projection, 131 points. And um, yeah, I think that he's going to be a team that, uh, you know, if we see HUD the stud stumble in his matchup this week, then Chase is just going to surge right there into a number three spot. Cool. Well, dude, Daniel, I know we spent a lot of time uh, talking about the keepers and stuff, but it's just great to look at this league, look at the history of it, see how it's developing, see where it could go. Because before we started the show today, we were talking about how this league, I just feel like it's so important to set your idea of like what you're going to do and plan your team around who you're going to be keeping and everything. And if you're making the playoffs, you're trying to base your team around winning with those keepers you've got. And if you're not making the playoffs, you got to think about who you're going to take into next season and whether you need to uh, try and, you know, gas the team up and whether, uh, you know, investing in some trades later or not could help you next season or the season ahead of time. Uh, if you had one last question, if I had one last question for you and you were to decide of all the keepers we talked about today, who would be your two keepers? If you could take any two, what would be your two keepers for the league? That's a great question. Um, any two keepers heading into next season? Is it yeah, two give running me like, backs? Well, give me. I know we just talked about every team. Give me like fifteen seconds. Right, yeah, I'll give you fifteen cut in, seconds. Cut in some like cool music. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's so tough too because answering this question you start thinking first and foremost about Derrick Henry and about if he's even keepable in the future you know with his injury and his age you know and if that was it or not so he might have it's been a the good smartest point. answer it's yeah. a good point we didn't mention his name at all but I do think I have my answer um, I were keeping two players from any teams it would be uh, Najee Harris and Jonathan Taylor um We've just nice. seen that both of these players are high usage backs. Both of them are players that are more than capable in the passing game. Uh, they're, uh, they've shown reliability in terms of health and holding on to the ball so far in their respective careers. Uh, so, yeah, um, if I'm sniping any two players, it's probably them. Uh, with, uh, you know, the only caveats being, McCaffrey's just got to show that he's, he can stay healthy. Um, and then Derrick right. Henry, um, somebody that just want to see that he can come back healthy because he's been an absolute terror. Nice. Nice. Well, Daniel, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with the, uh, the vampire league. I feel like you've got some, uh, a little, a little more drinking game. We're going to have to crack open our next one. I want to play a game with you. <laughs> that and more coming up, coming up. After, After this. this. Coming this winter, it's Let Me Show You Something with the Skin Can. Sam King Can. I'm the horticulturalist. Um, and, and today I'm looking at uh, the landscape irrigation system and trying to make sure that everything's functioning properly and um, that everything's getting covered. Coming this winter, let me show you something Covered. with the skin cannon, Sam King Cannon. So we didn't record that last one, so we'll do it again. So we're talking keepers in the Ray Lewis League, guys. Let's start with Daniel's team. <laughs> Are you serious? No. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> I went so far into it, you thought I was serious. ESP and the Ocho, always 100. And we're back, Quinn. We're going to take a look at the Vampire League, and we're going to play a little game called Factor Fiction. Now, I have the listeners. The listeners, they were reaching out to me. They said, Daniel, Daniel, where is the data? Where's the advanced metrics? We want the info. We demand the data. Well, guys, did a little bit of a deep dive here at the Live Loud Studios. We're looking at numbers and records today, specifically overall records throughout the four or three and a half seasons of league history and historical records against the vampire on a season by season basis and a cumulative record. So Quinn, I figure I'm going to quiz you. I'm going to ask you fact or fiction and give you a number and, uh, a name, and you got to tell me if those two numbers, uh, if those two things check out. I think All right, Bob. I'd like to say you... hi to my sister, Hadley, my brother, Adam, my hey, parents, Hadley. Joe and Doug. I'm ready to play. I got, I got um, a Corona hard seltzer, spike sparkling water, cherry spike sparkling water with natural flavors, 4.5 alcohol content per volume. Well, all right. The rules of the game are as follows. With a fact or fiction, you are required to provide an answer of fact or fiction. If you get that answer correct, you are allowed to award two drinks to the question asker. That is me. If you get the question wrong, you are required to take two drinks. Do you understand the rules, Quinn? Yeah. Pay me $2 to touch my toes. Pay me $4 to touch your toes. That's basically it. So, Quinn, we're going to start out with the softball today. The number, 1-12. in Worst record in league history. Fact or fiction, the 1-12 in record belongs to Moose Courtway. I'm going to go hard fact, Daniel. That's the first season of our inaugural vampire season. Robbie went 1-12, in forever shaping my QPC projections. That is correct. One in 12, worst record in league history, a winning percentage of just 0.077%. It's affected my percentage, my projections so much. This year I had him going one in 11, Daniel. I didn't even have him finishing the season. Mm -hmm. We did finish the season. And uh, now the listeners at home have a feel for how the game works. I'm going to take my two drinks. We're going to move on to the next question. One, two, he knows what to do. Next question, Quinn. Okay. The worst career record against the vampire in league history is two and seven, a 22% win percentage. Fact or fiction, this record belongs to one Curtis Jackson. Can I talk this one out? Take all the time you need. Say, can you can you repeat the record again? The worst record against the vampire in league history is two and seven, a twenty-two percent winning percentage. Man, I gotta say, I'm gonna say fiction, Daniel. That is correct. Yeah. 
And for the chance to double down your winnings to four. To finish your drink. <laughs> or to erase the debt to zero drinks, can you name whose two and seven record that is? Let's see. You know, I'm going to feel bad if I'm wrong, if I say anybody else. I'm going to say myself, Daniel Quinn. For four drinks, that's correct. Oh, God damn it. When the really? first two years in league really? history, you only played the vampire twice each season. Year one going one and one, year two going zero oh and two. Last year, your first and only to play the vampire three times, you went one and two, and you're currently zero oh and two. That's how you'll finish this year against the vampire. That is something. That's something that's going to keep me up at night. Thank you, Daniel. But please take your four drinks. Absolutely. You want to give me a metronomic count again? Yeah. One, two, three, four. Ah, I'm that's good jazz, baby. That's I'm going I'm 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 to have to turn that around next season. If I go, if we're playing three games or we're playing two games, you know, give me two, three years. I'm going to have a winning record against the vampire. Speaking of winning records against the vampire, Quinn, it's time for the next round of Fact or Fiction. Fact or Fiction. Only two or fewer of the league members have a winning record against the vampire. Fact or Fiction. Only two members of the league have a winning record against the vampire. Or fewer. Um, I'm going to say fact, Daniel. That fact is false. Ah! Fiction Quinn, three teams out of the six in the league have a winning record against the vampire. I'll give you a chance to give two drinks to the question asker if you can name two of the three teams with winning records against the vampire. Yeah, I'll go with Chase. And Steven. You only got one of the two mm. correct. Mm. Mm. Just outside. Quinn, while you have a league worst 22% win percentage, your friend and groom to your best man, Chase Vickery, is not far behind. A three and six record against the vampire leaves him in next to last in career win percentage against the vampires. Steven, who remember for two years was the vampire himself, has a three and two career record against the vampire, good for a 60% winning percentage. Daniel, who is in his second season as the vampire, has a four and two career record against the vampire, 67% win percentage, good for second in league history. Number one against the vampire, seven and three, Robbie Courtway. Bobby went one and two the first year against the vampire, but year two went three and zero, oh, and in year three went two and zero. Oh. He's currently one and one this year against the vampire. Mm. That's that the championship, you know. That's how you make it to the finals and lose every year. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, Kurt Taylor in ten matchups has walked away with five victories and five defeats, good for fifty percent win percentage against the vampire. Mm. So I'm the only one with a losing record. 
No, Chase is three and six against. Oh, he's three and six. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I've had my two drinks. I'm cracking open a fresh one. What else you got for me, Daniel? Okay. All right, Quinn. It's time for another round of fact or fiction. Quinn, it's common knowledge that in the second season, league member Kurt Taylor changed his name to Forever 500. Quinn, it's time for fact or fiction. Fact or fiction, Kurt has never actually finished at or above 500 in the league's three completed seasons. I'm going to have to go with fact, Daniel. That is a fact. Kurt finished five and eight. (laughs) You're so sad to drink. You're like, oh, yeah, here I am drinking now to my own fact or fiction show. (laughs) I just feel like the people that like pay out cars at Price is Right. Like, really? We gave this away for them fucking guessing a number, huh? Guess the price of a Kia, huh? God damn it. Fuck (laughs) me, huh? Yeah, right. They got commercials down there, huh? Where are you from? Oh, they're from Winnipeg? This is an international deal now? Great. Kurt finished five and eight in year one, six and seven in year two, five and eight in year three. He currently sits at five and five, ten weeks through the week, uh, year four season. And uh, with 14 games in the regular season, there is an actual possibility that he could finish exactly at 500 this year. That's what I'm going to need. <laughs> Kidding. Kidding. Let's not talk politics during this game. What's the next question, Daniel? Okay. Quinn, fact or fiction? Kurt's 5-8 and eight record, which he's produced twice, is the second worst record in league history. I think fiction. That is correct. And to yeah. double down the drinks, <laughs> can you tell me who had a worse record than 5-8? and eight? I think I had a worse record last year. That is partially correct. Two years ago, Two years. you had a four and nine record, including an zero oh and two record against the Vampire. Yeah. Currently, you sit at three and seven this season. Got to be quick. Okay, Quinn. It's time for a bonus round, side bet edition of Factor Fiction. In this round, or this question or questions will have absolutely nothing to do with the Vampire League. Are you ready? Fact, I'm fact, I'm ready. Okay. Quinn, in 2000, well, the year doesn't matter, but uh, (laughs) in one of the undergrad years of college, when we returned home, we helped Chase throw a party at his mom's house. Mm -hmm. Fact or fiction, Chase's Xbox that night was stolen by Tyler Good. Oh, shit. Tyler Good played center for the Ramsey football team in the second period team. And second period was terrible. They hardly won a game. I played in sixth period, and our team was really good. We had Taylor Burgess, at quarterback. We were moving and shaking. Uh, I overslept the Saturday, the one Saturday practice (laughs) when they brought the teams together. To practice for the city championship for seventh and eighth graders or or whatnot and so it was seventh grade and uh i overslept because my mom was like out of town or she wasn't there that morning and then my dad didn't remember to wake me up and we just didn't even think about it and they had practice like right down the road 
and I wasn't even there for it. So then I got benched for the city championship and I was gonna start at center. And instead, Tyler Good started at center. Fast forward to eighth grade, <laughs> new head coach, Coach Cooper comes around and he says, hey, who started at center for the city championship? Who started at quarterback for the city championship? He's like, all right, you guys are my starters. And Tyler Good was like, well, I started for the championship. And I wanted to say like, well, coach, technically, he started because <laughs> I overslept. Because I fucked up. Because I fucked up. And I'm not going to fuck up for you, coach. Because I'm an eighth grader now. But you and <laughs> Yeah. No, no. So his, so that happens. Then in ninth grade, Tyler Goods quit. And then uh, Coach Cooper's son uh, comes in and moves to center. And now is playing center. And uh, I was again second string until... His, his son broke his arm. So you could say that Tyler Good stole that opportunity from you. Yes. To steal an Xbox a handful of years later. I got to believe in the goodness of people. I say fiction. Someone else did it. That's correct. I thought I would trick you on Tyler. It was allegedly Chapman Junior High alum and Southside alum, Tyler East, who stole Chase's Xbox that night. Tyler East. I don't know much about Tyler East. We have a we have a player card on him. Stolen Xbox in two thousand eight. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right, Daniel. All right, Quinn, are you ready for the next question of bonus edition, fact or fiction? Yes, Quinn. In two thousand seven, we were driving an old Buick or Oldsmobile, perhaps. Driving around smoking weed out of a water pipe or bong. You were smoking while driving. <laughs> while I handled the driving duties of the steering wheel. You laughed so hard you spit out the slide in bong water when I told you to put on the right blinker. Fact or fiction? Fiction. You said turn on your left blinker as we were turning left and I fucking lost it. Blew that blew it all over that car. We had to pull off at the dog park to like air the car out and clean it out. And then I believe we got back to what we were doing. <laughs> Fiction. You hear me, goddammit? Yeah, I heard you. I drank. I drank. Yeah. That's what happened. All right, Quinn, it's time for the grand finale of Fact or Fiction. Are you ready? I am ready. This question will be worth all the marbles. The loser of this question has to finish their drink. Oh, Quinn. I just started mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Quinn, fact or fiction, the best career win percentage in league history belongs to the two-time vampire Stephen Fox. Can you repeat the question? Quinn, the career (laughs) record... Quinn, the queer... Quinn... (laughs) Quinn, fact or fiction, the career record holder for career wins and win percentage belongs to two-time vampire Stephen Fox. This is such a serious question for me. It's a great question. (coughs) Daniel, I'm going to have to say that that is a fact. In the grand finale of fact or fiction, Quinn's answer of fact is in fact fiction. Steven's career win percentage of 60% places him 
some recalculations there. Well, it's still not sixty <laughs> percent wasn't the percentage, but he's still not. What? He's still. But the question was the career record holder for wins and win percentage. So it was wrong with the percentage, but he's still not the record holder for wins or win percentage. Is that percentage higher than the record holder? The 60? So 60% is his record against the vampire. His career win percentage is 55%. That number from a 27 and 22. 27 and 22 is the second best in league history. His 55%. I'm yelling at the refs. That's bullshit. Second in league history. The crowd is booing. Okay, they're, they're upset with the call. It's gonna stand. I'll give you a double or nothing. <laughs> All right. Who is the record holder for career wins and career win percentage? Well, I haven't said his name yet. Um. Daniel, is this career, is this based off of regular season only? Regular season. Right. I'm going to go with, I haven't said his name yet today. Don't even like to speak it during these type of competitions. I'm fearful of what could come from it. I'm going to say that the best record is held by Stan Pyre the Vampire. Trick question, Chase and Stan Pyre are both tied. Motherfucker. 28 and 21 and with 57% win percentage. And my God, my God, is that the Undertaker's music? Oh my God, it's madness on Monday night. This is all the time we have for my, this is all the time we have for Monday Night Raw. For the King, this is Jim Ross and have a good night. Jesus Christ, Daniel, what an ending to the fact or fiction this week in the Vampire League. You had me going there. You had me going. Woo. Yeah, nobody has a 60% win percentage. Are you crazy? I was about to. Well, I mean, he's been the vampire twice or uh, he's won the vampire twice, you know. All right, guys. Well, now that we've settled down a little bit, we're going to get to the QPC season projections and take a quick look oh. at the week matchups. That's coming up after a word from our commercial sponsors. I'm going to get some water. Maybe do better this next segment. I don't know. <laughs> the original Paps Blue Ribbon Beer, nature's choicest products, provide its prized flavor. Only the finest of hops and grains are used. Selected as America's Best in 1893, the original Blue Ribbon Beer. Paps Blue Ribbon. All right, and we're back, and producer Quinn is telling me that we got to wrap this up lickety split. We've so had a Quinn, great show. looking at the QPC We've projections, you went 0-3 last week to nobody's surprise. Oh, I'm sure Robbie's oh. not surprised. I'm sure Kurt's not surprised. Chase would pretend to be, but he wouldn't be down. Robbie says he's coming out with his own projections. So, Quinn, going into week 11, uh, tell me what your QPC projections are for the three matchups of the week. And I want to start off with the stoner matchup of the week. That's the one that features Chase Vickery. He just lost to the Vampire. Uh, Well, not yet. 
but uh, this week he is, according to me. What did the QPC projections say? For the weed smoking guy of the week, Chase Bakery. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry it up, producer. Come on, man. Yeah, that's the weed smoking sponsorship of the week. We're happy to have him on the podcast. Daniel, I'm right in line with you. I've got Stampires back winning this week against Mr. Solo Dolo. Yep, and, uh, you know, producer saying we don't have time for the vampire's coffin corner of the week, so just to make it short no, and sweet, no, no, no. Chase... If I Come take you now. down, I'm coming for Jonathan Taylor. Unless he gets injured like Derrick Henry did when I went against Robbie. But otherwise, Jonathan Taylor's mine. I like it. Daniel, I mean, we got time for a coffin corner. I didn't know you uh, wanted to. Quinn, it's going to be a bit at this point. So the next matchup of the week Man, features. Uh, salty peanuts in the in the third quarter. Here. Come on, we're running. It's a bit, you know? Come on, it's a bit. <laughs> Don't be like that. So the next matchup of the week featured none other than the one and only three and seven bone effects trees. Mm. They're going against five and five Deacon Dorf. He's tied for third in the standings with Stephen Fox. Quinn, you're trying to make a rebound. You lost a tough one last week and you lost a tough one today while recording the podcast uh, or doing prep for the podcast. Alvin Kamara was officially ruled out. Now, uh, I know it might take a minute for us to release this. Do you think that Alvin Kamara is going to be on your roster when the Sunday afternoon or uh, when the first wave of games starts Sunday? No, I don't think so. I think it's time to uh, see if I can get a salvageable, uh, you know, no, Daniel. I don't think that Alvin Kamara is going to be on my team uh, this weekend. I'm looking to do a trade, and uh, I'm going to try and see if I can. I've got one last gas. This is my Alamo. This is my last game of the season that I could lose before I'm completely out of the playoffs. There's really no uh, good chance of me making it. Uh, I'm going to need a lot of things to fall in my place, a lot of wins, a lot of losses to go a certain way next month. If I even wanted to try and make it, and I need to win out. So um, it's going to be a tough one, and I don't think Alvin Kamara is going to see the end of the season of my team if I had my my choice. Yeah, and so uh, like I said, if, if you're going to win out, it's got to start with this week, and uh, you've got a tough set of cards with Chris Carson struggling to come off IR, Kamara being ruled out, uh, Mike Davis not a great number 5.1 points on thursday despite cordero patterson missing the game uh so uh you're limited in options now i'm interested to see how your roster changes between now and sunday uh because i'm just one game ahead of you and uh you know you still got a ton of talent on this team they just got to be healthy and click at the at the right time and so um you said QPC projections have Bonifex trees over Deacon Door? No, they don't. You know, ah. I, you got to remember in these 2021 Vampire League projections, I certainly took that into thought. I thought I'd be in a different place <coughs> uh, this season for sure. Um, but, you know, you know what's crazy, Daniel, is I have me losing this week to Deacon Door. I need to win out this year to have any type of relevance. And I actually have me at seven and seven 
I've got Deacon Dorf at seven and seven, and I had Stampires back at seven and seven. So wow. it is interesting to see that, like, I could. It's all in play. Well, it's all in play to end, like, with the correct win loss. Um, you know, I had Smoke and Jay Cutler uh, controlling the year before Christian McCaffrey fell uh, fell out. Um, but you know, I've got uh, Mr. Solo Dolo finishing at nine and five. Um, and I think I'm going to need him to finish probably closer to 11 and three where I had smoke and Jay Cutler and potentially turd Ferguson could be that nine and five slot for us. And, uh, that could leave, uh, some crazy endings in the third, fourth, fifth and sixth place. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's curious to look at if there is a log jam seven and seven, uh, potentially those teams buying for one of the last playoff spots. Uh, tiebreaker goes to points four, and it is kind of a, uh, an interesting cluster there. Uh, Steven has now slipped to last in the league in scoring. Uh, as of recording, he had uh, 1,274 points and a little bit of change. Quinn, you're uh, fifth in the league in scoring with 1,278 on the nose. Third in the league, or uh, excuse me, fourth in the league. Fourth in the league is actually the league leader, uh, seven and three Chase Vickery with twelve eighty four. Uh, third in the league, we've got uh, Kurt Taylor. Oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> You're reading the list. <laughs> you can do this. Yeah, I'm just getting the names and the numbers wrong. I'm like seeing it and then I'm saying it incorrectly. Like it's funny because we can't tell on this side. We're just yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, Andy Quinn. Yeah, in the league, league yeah. League. Seriously. All right, Quinn. So it's interesting to me that seven and seven cluster you have forecasted that could be fighting for the last playoff spot. Uh, the tiebreaker is going to come down to scoring, and uh, three teams you said were uh, Stan Pyre, Quinn, and then did you say Steven or Kurt? No, you had Kurt at seven and seven, right? I did. Yes. Okay, so um, currently I am outscoring you by about 16 points, and then Kurt is outscoring me by about 18 points. Uh, Kurt is second in the league to scoring to Robbie's total, uh, a real front runner at 1404, nearly 100 points more than Kurt. Um, so those three clusters of teams, you and I would have some scoring to do uh, to catch up to Kurt in a potential tiebreaker. Yeah, it's it's a it's a clusterfuck, Daniel. If it all falls my way, it could be really entertaining. And if not, it's still going to be a really tight finish without me. You know, it's still going to be Kurt and Steven and yourself trying to decide who's the last two spots in the playoffs. Absolutely. And Robbie's still really trying to find his feet. He got a win last week, uh, but six and four after he lost uh, the combination of Derrick Henry and Cooper Cup in one week. Uh, I'm interesting to see if he can hold on to that two spot or maybe he kind of graphs into this cluster two and creates a log jam from two all the way down to five. Uh, we've got uh, the home stretch of the fantasy regular season here. And I think it's kind of interesting in terms of, we don't know much other than chase uh, has been pretty fortunate to walk away with a lot of wins despite not being in the top half of the league and scoring this is kind of reminiscent to if you take a look at the second year in the league 
Whoa. Um, what are you looking down? Yeah, how did you? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, because the mic. I was the like, mic. Okay, yeah, it's reminiscent. If you <laughs> That's look at funny. Second, yeah, yeah. So, um, if you take a look at the records from the second year in the league, uh, I don't mean to shine a spotlight on your four nine record, but uh, the rest of the league: uh, Kurt six and seven, Robbie seven and six, Steven seven and six, D Week seven and six, Chase eight and five. A really tight cluster, and even four and nine, not terrible. Uh, compared to one and 12. So I'm curious to see if this season pans out with a first place team that is uh, got a substantial lead on the rest of the pack, or if we see another year where all the records are in a tight cluster. Um, but uh, let's take a look from that matchup to the third and final matchup of the vampire league that pits two time vampires smoking Jay Cutler against his adversary from the, Season two league championship, Robbie Courtway. Uh, this has a tight projection. ESPN currently likes Steven's odds. Uh, but tell me what QPC's got in store for Steven versus Robbie. Man, I tell you what, the QPC projections again are going against what I need to have happen. I've got <laughs> I've got Steven winning this week over Turd Ferguson in the projections, but I'm actually betting uh, my real money on turd this week. I need him to take out Steven. I need to beat Kurt and I need chase to actually upset uh, the vampire and, and put a loss on you. So I actually need to go. Oh, and three again in the QPC projections uh, for me to stay alive in the playoff race. Yeah. So you went Oh, and three last week. Uh, remind me what that took your record to for the regular season. Was that like 16 and 14? Yeah. Like going, that? going into last week, I was 16 and 11 and then going on three. Now is evened up my, my winning percentage to 16 and 14. So yeah. hopefully I can finish the season. The, the craziness about me personally running the QPC is a lot of times like things I need to have happen. It's like, well, either get the QPC projection right or what I need to have when the world is, the environment has changed and the situation's changed, that'll happen instead or the opposite. So uh, it's kind of funny to see how, uh, you know, you take a look at the very beginning of the season, how you see the whole entire thing playing out. And at the very end here, I still saw a really close race. Um, I think there's just a couple differences about who I thought might be in the race and might not. Um, and it's really interesting this week, finally looking at the standings, the final projection standings in that record. The fact that I've, I've got some of the, the correct players in mind about who might be involved in these playoff races. And the fact that I had Steven finishing in first, but be, I think really because of that Christian McCaffrey injury, it just really took him off base on what he could do with his team playing them in the lineups he could start. And, you know, that made him an 11 and 30 team turned him into potentially a seven and seven team as well. Right. In that hut. All right. Well, Quinn, uh, we've <laughs> come to the end of a really great day of talking. I, I want to kind of end on a question I'm going to pose to you. Fact uh, or fiction? Not exactly. Uh, now, both of us are pretty familiar with uh, the history of the challenge. MTV's the challenge. Love and, the challenge. Um, you know, different competitor strategies, different seasons, themes, elements, all that. Uh, Johnny Bananas, uh, it, it's pretty hard to argue against the f- idea that he's probably the most successful person in challenge history. He's got all the titles, all the belts, uh, contains a, carries a lot of political sway, a lot of power. Um, you know, some 
something that bananas is kind of known for is towards the end of the season, trying to make a big shakeup after he kind of lays low for a while. Uh, West, notwithstanding. Uh, so Quinn, my question to you, we're getting close to, uh, you know, season final, final challenge time. We're almost to the time where TJ tells us to pack our bags. We're going to Iceland. Damn, um, we are. I hope I'm there, man. Quinn, if there was one person that you could sell out before the final challenge um, to make sure they didn't make the playoffs and you did, uh, who's that one person you're going to sell out? That's a great question. Daniel. That's a great question. Fuck. Uh, if I had to to screw over any player, you know, I'd have to screw over. I think I'd have to screw over Deacon Dorf. Kurt. Oh my god! <laughs> Why? What? Why? What? No, Why no. Say? I'm curious. You tell me. You tell me why. Well, you know, some of these reality shows just come down to the fact that, like, you know, he said some things about the QPC projections that I just, (laughs) (laughs) I can look past, man. Wow. But, you know, we've worked together. It's been real tough, but, you know, I've got. But Robbie hasn't said things about the QPC projections. (laughs) Well, you're talking about right now, like, don't I, I mean, that's a chance for me to make the playoffs. Right. Is that the question? Because that helps me get into the playoffs. Sure. You know, I'm I'm trying to get in the playoffs. Do you want me to take it a different direction? I'll take it as a different direction. No, 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 no. I'm just, you know, I'm just, uh, whoever you would have said would have been surprising. So it's not specifically because you said Kurt. Okay. Because I have another answer. You have two answers. <laughs> I have two answers. I have five answers, motherfucker. Um, yeah, yeah, because that one was based on making the playoffs. The other one's not. Dun dun dun. Find out next week on the Vampire Journals podcast. For Daniel Week, this is Quinn Carson, and don't forget to visit your local Highland Dairy supplier. Yes, and again, today we were brought to you by Bush Light and Corona, hard seltzer, sparkling, uh, spike sparkling water, cherry, spike sparkling water with natural flavors, four and a half alcohol fluid ounces by volume. Don't forget, grab your jackets because it's cold out there.